You're listening to IT Market Buzz, sponsored by Copy Punch IT. Here's your host, Kimberly Duran. Ed Erickson has designed and implemented thousands of strategic marketing research programs in both consumer and business markets. He has worked extensively with IT products and services and managed many large-scale international research efforts covering North America, Europe, Asia, and South America. So customers are really bad at explaining why they made a certain choice. Is that because they don't want to tell us the truth or they honestly are not clear what was the deciding factor? No, it's just the way humans are wired. There's a whole evolving area of neuroscience research that shows pretty convincingly that most decisions are made subconsciously. (laughs) All of our conscious thoughts about why we did something are essentially after-the-fact rationalizations. Mm. So, yes, it is very difficult to understand why people do the things they do in a lot of cases. That's not to say that any research in the area is not worthwhile, Mm. because it is. Uh, You just have to look at it through that filter of understanding that a lot of what's being said is this, I guess, unconscious rationalization of why people really made the decision. But that does become important because... What you see, especially in the more complicated B2B and tech markets, where you've got long sales cycles, multiple decision makers involved in a purchase decision, etc., is that all of those conscious, rational things are what gets your company in the door to even be considered for a purchase. Mm -hmm. So you've got to have that, and you've got to understand what people are looking for, otherwise you never even get to the table where the subconscious kicks in is the actual purchase decision. So you can think of it as the the rational conscious stuff gets you considered, but sort of that subconscious emotional stuff is what gets you the purchase. So from an IT sales perspective or a consulting sales perspective, that means you need to have the credentials and you need to have the, the track record to get in the door But then once you're in the door, it's really all about the relationship that you build with the prospective customer. Mm -hmm. You've posted on ericksonresearch.com, there's a really useful summary about social media for research. Can you touch on some of what marketers can learn from social media? Sure. Uh, Social media is this great repository of customer conversations um, that are cataloged and indexed and for the most part, out there for anyone to see. So what marketers can really learn from that are a few things. They can learn what matters to the people in that market because people are going to talk about the things that they care about. People can learn about what they really don't like about a particular product or service because people love to rant. They can learn about what people are actually saying about a company, uh, good, bad, or otherwise, Mm -hmm. or in some cases, not at all. And, you know, that becomes an important finding sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you've got this great repository of online communities. And, uh, you know, when you read the marketing literature, a lot of the focus is on Facebook and Twitter. But in my mind, and when I find data for my clients, and that's not really where the action is. The action is in all of these tens of thousands or millions of forums that are out there. Uh, these are the online communities where people go and have conversations Uh, Mm -hmm. And they can be fairly deep conversations. And they're easily findable by anybody. Uh, Simply go to Google and type in keywords that are appropriate for your market and put the word forum after it, and it will spit back a list of all of these online communities. And you can just go in there and start reading. And um, 
I think a lot of people will be amazed at what they can find in there. So what we've found with um, both studies that we've done on our own and with uh, some work we've done for clients is that in a lot of cases, you can go out to social media properties and look at the conversations that are happening and get a lot of the same information that people have gotten for years from, say, traditional focus groups. Okay. You know, focus group where you've got a group of people sitting around a table and you ask them questions and they have a discussion about it. Uh, that doesn't work all the time because, as you can imagine, uh, you know, a focus group is an interactive kind of conversation where you can ask follow-up questions and you can get people to explain themselves, etc. Whereas in social media, you're basically reading what people have already done. So you're sort of mm-hmm. taking it as you find it. So that makes it a really good resource to kind of see what matters to people because people are going to talk about what matters to them to understand what their frustrations are because they're really good at writing about um, problems that they're having. <laughs> and uh, and to understand what people are saying about various companies and various products, it becomes a, uh, a fairly cost-effective alternative to doing traditional research as long as uh, a few conditions are met. One being it's not the kind of research where you really have to get inside their head and understand why, because that requires a two-way conversation, which you don't have in this medium, and that it's a a category where there is a lot of content out there. Now, the list of categories where there's a lot of content out there is huge. So, you know, unless um, you're in some unbelievably small niche market, chances are you'll find something. Mm-hmm. So, and how great that they're not filtered by who wants to talk to you. Exactly. It represents a great entry point for really starting to understand what the customer is saying and thinking for a smaller business because mm-hmm. the cost is is so low by comparison to what would be considered traditional market research. In some ways, it's as simple as going to Google and typing in some keywords and looking to see what comes up. Mm-hmm. favorite trick of mine is you just go to Google, you type in whatever your keyword is, followed by the word form or the word blog, and uh, what you'll get is a list of all these communities where those conversations are happening. You had also noted that it's a good way for product companies to listen to what users are looking for as far as features. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, that tech vendors are really using that information? I'd say some are, some aren't. It really varies from company to company. The wonderful thing is that there's a ton of information out there. Uh, you can almost think of it as like trying to drink from a fire hose with, mm-hmm. with everything that's out there. But what comes with that is it requires a lot of effort to keep up with. And a lot of these tools can help you with the sifting and sorting and you know finding some of the more important stuff. Uh, but there's no getting around the fact that it's a fairly labor-intensive process. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, not so different from what a lot of companies are discovering. You know, trying to use social media for marketing purposes is yeah, it's great because it's free and anybody can get up there and put a video on YouTube and write a right. blog, and it doesn't cost much. But it does take a pretty serious investment of time and you know, a long-term commitment to make it work. And I think the same is true with pulling the information out. I also wanted to ask you about getting more value from the data that marketers already have. I saw on your website you were talking about people who already have a lot of data sitting there, and they're, they're not quite sure what to do with it. Yeah, we find that over and over again. And it usually comes in a couple of flavors. Uh, you've got big companies who do a lot of research, and they've got all of this data from all of this research that they've done sitting in files on somebody's hard drive, all kind of these little islands and nothing is connected. And very frequently, you know, once the study is done, they look at the report, maybe it gets passed around 
That's about the last time anybody ever looks at it. So they have all of this information that they've collected, and maybe they've done something with it, and maybe they haven't, but it's just sitting there. And we've actually <laughs> done work with some big companies where we've gone back and we've looked at everything that they've done for the last four or five years and tried to connect dots and come up with what's the bigger picture here. And uh, you know, we've been fairly successful doing that. Because in a lot of cases, when you're doing research, uh, especially in B2B, the single most expensive piece of that is very often collecting the data. Mm-hmm. So if you can squeeze more value out of the data you've already paid for, then the leverage that you get from that just goes way, way up. Mm-hmm. Um, the other flavor of that is um, especially the service companies who you know maintain records on their customers. They've got these customer databases that are just filled with every transaction that's ever happened, uh, all of their interactions, and the extent to which people are using that to improve their business is, um, yeah, for the most part, it's, it's an untapped opportunity. Mm. Yeah, there are certainly some companies that are way out there in mining data out of their databases, and they do a very, very good job. Uh, the ones that come to mind are various direct marketing type companies, um, at least up until 2008-ish. Uh, the credit card companies were masters at this. I can imagine. Can you give me an example of how they would use that data? Uh, well, what direct marketers do very often is, because they have these huge databases of every transaction that a customer has ever done, uh, plus all kinds of other information about them, you know, where they live, you know, what's their income, you know, education level, just about anything you can think of um, that they've had course to collect over the entire relationship, they've got someone. And uh, there are a lot of people that do a lot of analysis, it's usually called data mining, that they can go in and look at past behavior of large groups of people and be able to predict, given some set of characteristics, how likely somebody is to do something. And those models are sometimes uh, freakishly accurate, <laughs> which allows them, you know, so say you've got a, a, a company that mails catalogs. You know, it's expensive to print and mail a catalog. So they want to make sure that the people they send them to are ones that are likely to spend more money buying stuff than it costs them to print the catalog. And so they've got these things where they score everybody in their database on their likelihood to buy something and how much they're likely to spend. And they just kind of start at the top of the list, and when they hit that line where they start to lose money, that's when they stop sending the catalogs. Mm-hmm. It works really well. It's worked for a long time for a lot of people. But those techniques are finding their way into more and more companies now. You know, for a long time, that was really the province of direct marketers, and not too many other people were concerned with it. But for a small business especially, they've got all this data. They can even do simple things to just look at uh, who's buying, who's not buying, how often they're buying, those sorts of things that you know don't require super sophisticated statistics or anything like that, but can give them a much better picture of who their really good customers are than they've got right now. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like from your comments earlier that you feel like a lot of businesses have a fairly good understanding of their customers and their competition and their buyers using market research. I think the ones who use it do, yes. Uh, but I think there's an awful lot of companies out there that don't use the information that they have or that they can fairly easily get um, nearly as much as they could or should. hmm When you're working with businesses, do you come across any common misconceptions about what makes for effective research? Yeah, we run into a few things. 
You know, one of the nice things about the whole technology explosion that's happened in the last five or ten years is that there are now a lot of free and cheap survey platforms out there that people can use. In a lot of ways, that's a good thing because it, it's kind of democratizing getting data. Uh, however, research is one of those things that is really easy to do, but it's really hard to do well. Mm-hmm. So one of the misconceptions that I see a lot are, well, why should we pay you all this money? We can go to SurveyMonkey and do it ourselves for free mm-hmm. or for $19 a month or whatever it is that they charge. Uh, yeah, well, you can. Um, you can also go to the drugstore and buy a scalpel, but that doesn't make you a <laughs> Part of the misconception that people see is that they equate the technology platform and mechanical process of collecting the data with the value of research, not the turning that data into something useful. And that's where a lot of people fall down because they don't really understand how to do research well. Uh, The questions that they ask will basically not be the right questions. So they tend not to get much back. And then, of course, it becomes this vicious cycle of they try to do it themselves, it doesn't go well, therefore research is useless. So it, it often becomes a battle to get people to see that when applied correctly, they can get tremendous value from it. One of the classic things with small businesses where you know, a little bit of research can go a long way would be customer defections and churn. You get a lot of companies out there that will have a client that will work with them once or twice or they'll buy one or two things and they'll just disappear and never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea why. You know, perhaps in some cases there was some obvious issue that the customer was unhappy about. But for the most part, they don't have a clue why these people aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. But if they did, oftentimes it's simple changes that they can make that can prevent that situation from happening. So you know, maybe you spend a few thousand dollars on a simple little research project uh, but that results in you know, your customers sticking with you for an extra five years. And you know, all of the money that they spend during that time is money you would have lost otherwise. Yeah. So there's um, another misconception that we talked about earlier of expense versus investment. I tend to see that mostly among smaller businesses. I mean, a lot of the corporate people we work with have some understanding of the investment value. The other misconception that... Uh, I see a lot is that they don't get anything useful out of it. They get a bunch of numbers. The way we see it is that um, if at the end of doing some research project, you haven't learned anything, um, then you're doing it wrong. Uh, and that kind of goes back to the, you know, it's easy to do, but it's hard to do right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't ask the right questions, you don't ask them in the right way, you don't get much useful at the back end. So in that case, yes, you just wasted a bunch of money. However, if it's set up properly, it's executed by somebody who at least has a grasp of the basic principles, um, and then the information is is looked at and examined and uh, analyzed in a way to turn it into something useful, uh, it becomes this huge source of insight. I would think that in your market research, especially for the B2B market, we hope that there's really logical, rational reasons for why people are choosing our product or not choosing our product. Do you find emotion popping up in ways that you wouldn't expect? Well, the thing with B2B purchases, uh, 
I guess this doesn't surprise me so much anymore, but it really it took me a while to to learn and accept this. And I think it's taken B2B marketers in general a long time to learn and accept this, and a lot of them still haven't. It's what we touched on before. Uh, everybody assumes that because it's a business purchase, it's this coldly rational decision that's based strictly on ROI or cost or whatever. Uh, so that's what everybody goes in with when they sell. It's all of this hard fact, logical stuff. But the reality is the people that are buying are people. They're not machines. They're not this strange, faceless corporate entity. They're people, so they behave like people. Mm-hmm. And what you really see is all of that conscious, rational, ROI-type stuff is what gets you considered. But when it comes down to making that actual decision, it's as much about who they like as anything else. You know, a person that I've known for a very long time who's been in sales has a saying, which I think is absolutely true, which is all things being equal, uh, people buy from people they like, and all things not being equal, people buy from people they like. (laughs) And it is absolutely true. You know, when we do stuff with um, professional services companies that look at how those purchase decisions get made, we see over and over again the things that float to the top of the list, what people really care about are who specifically are the people that are going to be working on my project? Do I trust these people? Do these people have a good track record? And those are the things that are always coming to the top of the list of what people care about. Things that end up way down the list are... Is this a big, impressive global company? Um, by and large, people don't care. Is this some company that's got you know all of this experience in my industry? That only ends up somewhere in the middle. Um, so all the things that come to the top are all about the people that they deal with and whether or not they trust them. Well, Ed, I know I've used up my time with you today. Thank you so much for sharing these ideas with our audience. I'm glad to be here. To learn more about Ed Erickson or the topics we've covered today, head to ericksonresearch.com. You have been listening to IT Market Buzz with your host, Kimberly Duran. Please visit our sponsors at www.copypunch.com. 